You're listening to Out of Nowhere, a series featuring emergent brands with somewhat unexpected origins. Your host is Justin Watkins of Native Digital, a marketing firm specializing in brand messaging and performance media. Let's jump in. The reason I joined Inco was was to tackle some of just the greatest challenges that, that we face as a society globally. And so it was was not just tackling challenges that are impacting yield um, from from crops, but is also the the desire, the mission, the willingness to make sure that those solutions are distributed to farmers of all sizes in in all geographies globally. And so from 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 a challenge of being able to find um, and discover just such new and novel um, solutions, uh, but combining that with the ability, the willingness, and the desire to partner, um, and to make sure that these solutions are available to farmers of, of all shapes and sizes and in, in all geographies around the world was very compelling for me. And it was a key driver of, of why I joined Inco. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of innovation in the ag tech space. What is there a reason why, you know, herbicide is the one where you're like, wow, this is this is a place that um, there's a huge opportunity. Is, is there a reason why that stood out to you? Yeah, there is. And so when we think about key driver weeds, Justin, across, you know, a lot of global row crops, crops that are just, you know, so fundamental to providing the food, feed, fiber for the world. Um, and we, we see this, this evolution of resistance, um, whether you look at weeds like Palmer amaranth and the impact that is having on yields, the amount of resistance to so many modes of action. Um, we contrast that and look at, you know, uh, cereal crops in the EU with really tough weeds to control, such as blackgrass or Italian ryegrass. Um, and, and these are weeds that can have impacts 30, 40 percent on, on the yield production um, for these various crops that uh, compete against them, you know, for the water, the sunlight, the nutrients. And so being able to to look at novel herbicide discovery, to find new modes of action that really address these challenging weeds um, while remaining safe though, safe to the crop, safe to the beneficials in the kind of in the farm ecosystem, if you will, not having an impact on pollinators or, or not leaching in the soil, but really trying to think about not just a weed control and a crop safety, but just almost from a regenerative ag, ag perspective is how do what how is what we discover going to fit into the future of farming really considering that whole farm ecology and so herbicides was a great place it's it's um, it's the first indication that that we really put our efforts to um, from our discovery platform perspective to, to try and begin solving we've had great uh, success and progress on this uh, so we have we have a couple modes of action. We're real excited about uh, some of which have been to the field for over four years and four continents around the world, you know, demonstrating that that we can do this. Um, and, and, and we have another mode of action that's very novel coming coming quickly uh, behind this this lead. And, and it's doing the same thing. And we're, we're really pleased with the results we're seeing that, that really address just the most challenging weeds that farmers in, in all geographies around the world face when they think about, you know, maximizing yield of, of these just critical, critical crops that are grown. Yeah. I imagine when you're talking with people in the industry, they're, they get it. If you're talking to someone who's just a little bit outside the industry, how do you say like, well, here's where we've been, or here's how we're doing it today. And these are the issues that we have with this, but this is the leap that we are able to make. This is the way 
our technology works and what it allows? Like, how, how would you frame that for somebody who's just a little bit outside the industry? Yeah, sure. So uh, traditionally and historically in the industry, um, it kind of goes back to how molecules, right, or small molecules or crop protection products have been discovered. Um, and so it's typically been done in a very phenotypically way, right? So it's, it's taking a molecule and it's spraying it across a bunch of weeds or a bunch of bugs or a bun bunch of fungal pathogens and seeing which molecules have an impact. And really what we've done at Inco is really just completely shift that paradigm. Um, and so we're, we're, we're actually solving, right, for a known uh, target, a known pest right from the beginning of our screen. And so what we've done is, is really a step change of difference is we look for molecules that are very potent at targeting a specific weed, um, but we look for these small molecules to not target a beneficial, right? So we think of something like a honeybee or we think of something like a human or even the crops. And so we set our, uh, the way we discover is intentional um, to select for molecules, small molecules that are potent at the target site or potent on the pest in which a farmer would need to control, but not potent um, on the human, for example, or the mammalian version of this target or uh, the honeybee, for example. And so this has really been the evolution um, of, of, of kind of the step change in which Inco is bringing um, with its discovery platform. And it's, it's the ability to do that, um, but it's also the ability to do that in a way that's much more responsive to the market. And so we've built a discovery platform and compass that, that has allowed us to find um, such new and novel small molecules across all indications. So herbicides, fungicides, insecticides, we've been able to find these across all indications, but do so in a much more efficient way. And what that allows us to do is not just be so much more targeted in the discoveries, but respond to the market needs in a much more timely way. And if you contrast that with what we've seen in the industry, there's been a real lag in innovation, a real lag in breakthrough of novel uh, small molecules, novel chemistries that address just these really difficult needs that, that farmers have. And, and so there's, there's been, you know, a lot of uh, resources also spent outside of this, right? So we think of biologicals and seeds and traits and digital farming. And so we're looking that, you know, there's a lot of research being done across a lot of modalities to try and solve for these tough challenges. At Inco, we're able to do this in such a more rapid time responsive way to market and cost, cost efficient, that we can meet these needs um, in, in just a much more expedited way than what historically has, has been available. And so we believe by doing this with selective uh, crop health, small molecules will be able to meet what these key needs are in a more timely way for farmers. Yeah. My simplified way of looking at it is historically, we've kind of used this dumb blanket and taken years to figure out like, hey, what did that do? Was it good? Was it bad? And now the technology is to a point now where we can be surgical about it. We can be intentional about it. And, and the speed and the learning cycles are like, extremely faster than what it used to be. Is that a, a fair way to look at it? It is, it is. And when you, when you combine, you know, kind of our ability to innovate in such a, such a rapid, efficient way, you know, with, with a lot of the digital technologies that are available on farm, 
And you start thinking about that that data loop of you know sensor detects pest, uh, sensor detects you know pathogen, or you know that information, you know, and and the flow of that information, and knowing what the problems are, how big they are, in a more expedited way, certainly is going to to allow us to create those to your point more surgical type specific solutions to address what those needs are. So as as Inco has developed and progressed, who are, have been some of the the like the early adopters or the big fans uh, of this technology are like, oh, we can't wait for this. This is so great. Yeah, we've had great conversations and partnerships. We've announced a number of, of partnerships uh, since since the founding of Inco, um, um, both with industry and 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 those um, uh, that are not you know intimate in you know crop protection or small molecule discovery and. And so we've announced one of those with the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, where, where we partner with the Gates Foundation to ensure um, that, that the discoveries we're making bring are, are able to be brought to small stakeholder farmers all over the world. And, and so we've thought about our partnerships. I think there's been excitement from, from the industry, um, as well as those outside of the industry, um, really from, from two places. One around the ability to discover new and novel small molecules um, and just just solve really really difficult challenges scientifically. I think there's another which is the ability to bring these to market. And so we've had conversations, you know, across across you know this broad plane of of, of folks and interest to to you know how does how is this going to to come to market? How is this going to work? You, you're going to have this really new and novel idea and so there's there's been a lot of interest it's been a lot of interest from both industry but also those that are not involved in discovery so channel partners retailers distributors excited for new and novel you know chemistry small molecules that solve their farmers toughest needs as well um, and so we've we've had a, a lot of great conversations and and have uh, established partnerships to ensure we're able to not just create, but to to develop and bring these to market, and so we're, we're real excited about the partnerships and 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 certainly the support um, from from all these various groups for for the work we're doing at Inco. Yeah, when you're in those conversations, I'm sure it depends on who you're talking to, but are there certain kind of parts of the value prop that really um, make their ears perk up? Is is it is it yield? Is it um... The specificity of it is it the beneficials like what what probably pops out the most i think it's a little bit of everything i think it's mm -hmm. the i think it's the i think it's the design the intentional design we take when we create you know what this new small molecule looks like and so it, it's it's everything from solving the pest but the interaction of this molecule with other modalities and how it fits into this future of you know, regenerative ag. And so having the insight or the ability to design the molecule to really fit into to the evolution of, of farming and, and where, where the future is progressing, both from a digital regenerative standpoint, sustainable standpoint. So it's a little bit of everything. I think different, different, um, different people along the value change us and are going to view it and have, you know, they might, you know, you talk to somebody that's a, a crop consultant for a farmer. Right. Having something to control, uh, you know, a really challenging pest um, in a different way than has been done before. Um, that's something that really excites them. I think when you when you talk to regulatory bodies, 
Um, and we talk to them about the way we set up experiments, the way we de-risk so early on. I think there's excitement from them from a safety aspect. Um, and when you talk to to other groups, whether it's, you know, the leaching of a molecule into the waterways or deeper into the soil and being able to design so that does not happen. You know, so depending on on the scope, there's there's different parts of this that are more appealing to others, right? So everyone has their own key drivers that they, you know, they would value more. Um, but I think it just boils back down to it's it's the the vision of of where small molecules and where we can take crop health with small molecules as an integral part of the future of of regenerative ag. Yeah, I would assume that the de risking aspect would be pretty appealing to several people, right? Like you, they just feel assurance that, hey, this is specifically going to solve these problems that we have struggled with. And um, yes, it may get me more yield, but it's also protecting me from not having a strong yield potentially. Obviously there's a lot of variables, but um, I would assume that that would be a big, a big thing. It, it, it is, it is. And so what we're able to do in selecting what that safety looks like, right? It happens at the very beginning of what targets we choose, right? Being able to choose targets that may not have, you know, a, a human homolog or a human counterpart, if you will, to where this target only applies to these types of weeds, but not to mammals. So we do this in, in, in just so precisely from the very beginning of our of our screens. And so it's selecting targets that are safe. It's then selecting targets that, you know, don't have selectivity for, you know, other uh, beneficials. And so we do this right from the beginning intentionally. And so we're not working on, on lead molecules or, you know, advancing chemistry that if it doesn't meet safety criteria and significant fold selectivity, right? So we have very high parameters as to what where a molecule needs to fall before we would we would advance it or a series of them for that matter. And so with the amount of in silico technology, the computing power that's out there um, between our platform and what we screen and and the capabilities we're building from a modeling and a data standpoint and some of our key partnerships we're able to rapidly assess, um, you know, the safety of a molecule and also doing so while, you know, doing a lot less animal testing. Yeah. Um, and so the industry, you know, there's a, obviously a lot of animal testing that goes into proving the safety of, of small molecules. Um, and so we're, we're really looking to, to think about ways in which we can reduce the need for animal testing. Um, and really look to, you know, the amount of data um, that's available from both what we create, um, as well as leveraging key partnerships to de-risk molecules, you know, from very early on in the targets we select, but all through the discovery process. Um, and so this is an, a very active piece of our discovery program. We don't just screen for biological activity. At the same time, we start screening for biological activity and testing molecules, we're doing regulatory tests as well. Yeah, that's cool. And I think that is a as a key differentiator in the chemistry we optimize coming out on the on the end from it. So when you're in early conversations with somebody, um, a potential partner or somebody in the value chain, and it's early conversations, are there common misconceptions 
that you hear that you're able to say, oh, actually it's, it's this, or is there like, you know, initial resistance to the idea because for X, Y, and Z, anything that comes up that you'd love to like clear up more often? No, I, th- I think if anything, it's, it's that in this industry, there's, there's been few sources of innovation mm. and the ability to discover small molecules has really been limited. And, and I think with a company like Inco that, that is creating um, and has active programs across herbicide, fungicides, and insecticides, it almost seems a little bit too good to be true. That can you really, can you really find, you know, lead, you know, registrable, commercially viable small molecules across fungicide, herbicide, and insecticide. And, and so I think oftentimes there's a lot of skepticism at first, um, but, but, you know, look, we, we partner uh, very openly with, with a lot of, a lot of people across the value chain. And, and so those, those, those kind of maybe uh, skepticisms early are often are something that we can, we can address through, you know, a number of testing and, and sharing where the programs are at in their development. But I think oftentimes, Justin, it's, it just feels a little bit too good to be true that this is possible. But, but look, we've seen this in pharma. This is, you know, the core of our discovery platform and compass. The core of it is founded in DNA encoded libraries. This is a technology we borrowed from pharma um, and we've applied it uh, into to the agricultural space. And, and this is a technology that is widely um, and rapidly adopted by a lot of the major pharma discovery companies. Um, and so this, it's not, it's what we're doing is not, you know, completely unfounded. In fact, you know, in, in the, in the human health side, it's, it's used very prevalently for discovering selective chemistry, selective, you know, uh, solutions to the most challenging issues, you know, cancer and, and things like this. And so we've just applied this to agriculture. So it's not uh, it's not so mysterious that uh, or some black box that we what we have here. It's you know the grounds and foundation of our technology have been proven um, uh, on the human health side as well, and we've just applied that uh, in an agricultural setting. For I think every time there's a major leap like this, there's a little bit of skepticism. They're like, "Well, that would be cool. Surely you haven't gotten there already." It, what? Are, are if, a, if you're talking to a grower, are they like, well, let me try it? Or are they saying, hey, show me two years of field tests and then maybe I'll try it? Like, what does that typically sound like? So we haven't gotten to the point that the molecule, our lead molecules are not registered yet. Um, but, I, but I think typically with, you know, when we think about the agricultural industry, we think that there's likely going to need to be some some proof of demonstration, right? And so I think different geographies, different jurisdictions, right? The farmer's willingness or their adoption of technology is going to vary, but we would see it very much similar. And so we're, we've been conducting some larger uh, on-farm studies um, and, and, you know, through a very large cooperator network globally. Um, and, and so what we see is, you know, somewhere between typically a year or two of on-farm trials, we begin to see uh, the receptance of the differentiation these, these small molecules are bringing. Yeah, it's, it can be a long journey in some cases, although you're, you guys are making huge gains very quickly based on the technology. Where, how would you say the journey has gone so far and where do you see it going over the next 5, 10, 20 years? Like, where do you think you're at in that journey? It feels probably still like early days, even though you've made significant progress. Like what, what would you say it is right now? Where do you think it's going? 
Yeah, I, I think about that kind of in two aspects. One being kind of the platform, our Encompass platform. This is kind of our engine of discovery, if you will. Um, and then I think about it from a pipeline perspective. I would say from an Encompass, from a platform perspective, what we have been able to put together with, you know, the DNA encoded libraries as a core foundation, structure-based design, machine learning, and AI, um, it feels like that is is really progressed quite a bit. Um, we have we do have some some areas that we're working on there, such as you know everyone's hearing about generative AI, right? And so of course this is these are things we're incorporating and further building out from a platform perspective. Um, so it feels like our platform is is really um, is is maybe more evolved um, from a pipeline perspective, right? it feels less evolved because we're constantly discovering. And so we have programs that, you know, as I mentioned, have been to the field for a number of years that are entering into, you know, regulatory studies. And we have uh, more novel chemistry slotted right behind it across insecticides and fungicides. And so, you know, what the journey looks like for Inco from here is, is to continue progressing um, the pipeline, progressing the novel insecticides, the novel fungicides through the pipeline, um, while at the same time, you know, continuing um, to, to build and evolve the capabilities of the platform a bit further. Although I would say we've come a long ways um, from a platform perspective and what we've been able to do there. I, I recall, I think our, the first time we got a chance to talk you were talking about the platform and what machine learning and AI can do. And I, I recall you saying like, we're able to do things that might've taken 60,000 years to do the old fashioned way. Is that, <laughs> is that right? Yeah. So it, it is. And so kind of the, the analogy there is, is the amount of molecules that we screen in one experiment. And so the, what what DNA libraries and computing power brings is the ability to just to scan vast chemical space. Um, and, and so if you think about, you know, typically how many molecules are screened in a, in a phenotypical um, program, right? So pulling molecule off the, off the shell, spraying it across weeds, evaluating result, you're going to be limited um, right through infrastructure of how many of those molecules can be screened per year. And so if somebody was to, to, to try to screen our library, the size of our libraries, um, in that approach, it could take up to 60,000 years to do so. Contrast to the way we do this from, from screen to result is weeks. Um, and so it's, it's massive uh, step change in the amount of chemical space and numbers that we're able to to screen um, in a in a very short period of time. Yeah, there are people in the ag space look, listening to us today, and they I think fully understand uh, what the potential of this means. There's also people listening who are maybe outside of the ag space and may be thinking like, "What's the big deal with herbicides? Like, why should I be interested and care about it?" But I I would look to organizations like the Gates Foundation who don't support small. They don't make small bets and it, it is when they get involved, it's because they see huge uh, benefits to it. Um, before this call, you and I were talking about how, you know, the adoption of technologies in ag varies wildly across the globe. Um, I assume that's one of the things that's rewarding about this for you is just the idea that you can take something that you guys have accelerated to a crazy degree and bring it to areas that are frankly just behind the times and what they're able to do. 
from a growing perspective. Is that is that accurate? Uh, abs- absolutely. And and you know the, it's key partnerships like the Gates and um, that that enables that. But it's something that at Inco we feel very mission driven about this, and that there should be equitable access to innovation by all. Um, and so it, it does not matter if it's a, a large scale, you know, thousands and thousands of hectares row crop farmer and in a very developed farming environment, or if it's a small stakeholder farmer farming for their family's food for the next months, trying to grow some food to trade at a local market to sustain their family. Um, we believe that that everybody should have equitable access to these. And we look for partnerships in these areas and all areas to make sure that that happens. And so it's it's something that Inco is very passionate about. It's um, Inco is very mission driven in that sense. Um, and it's something that will remain and continue to remain a key focus of, of what we do. Um, and so as we continue to establish relationships um, in, in these parts, um, we think about it as not just also providing um, the actual you know, technological innovation, but the ways to use it and providing the education of how to use um, and, and how to best use, how to use safely, um, when to use. And, and when we think about, you know, being able to do that, it's, it's a combination of partnerships that it's going to take to be able to reach um, some of these remote areas where this technology is, is, is greatly needed. Yeah, that's cool. It's great to have a big mission like that. And I'm sure it recharges you whenever you've got a busy day, knowing that you've got this impact <laughs> that you're making. It, it does. It, it does. And it's, um, it, it does. And it, it, it's something that you have to keep on the forefront. Right. And so as we continue to, to, you know, develop, it's not also just developing in the big areas. It's looking for partnerships to, to develop early on to make sure that what we're optimizing does have a fit, right? And so I think as we think about developing um, chemistry, right, even though launch could seem like it could be years away, partnerships we establish today are critical um, to ensuring fit within these, you know, farming ecosystems within these, within these rural areas. And so we're, we're, you know, continuing to focus on that. And by having those conversations early and proving fit and demonstration in these settings, um, you know, it's, it rejuvenates you. And, um, and it's fun to visit these places, meet with the local people and, and hear from them, right. To hear from them that, Hey, we're looking for someone that thinks about us, that cares about what we're doing, thinks about the needs, the problems we have, and and is looking to provide solutions for those. And so a hundred percent, Justin, it's very rejuvenating. Um, even when you're still early in the development stages and you haven't quite launched yet. Right. Um, it, it still connects you um, to, to, to the mission. Yeah, that's cool. I think we talked about this on our last conversation, but what was your first exposure to the ag space? Did you grow up in this area? Um, so I grew up, uh, I did not grow up on a farm, actually, uh, but I, I grew up um, in, in close proximity to a lot of farms. Um, uh, and that I went to went to school and I just always realized that or I, I thought I realized that that food's kind of essential, um, yeah. and and so uh, it was you know between water and food, it seemed like two areas that 
would have some compelling uh, opportunities uh, long term. And so that was that was something I weighed right at the same time. There's a lot going on in the, the computer science and engineering fields. And uh, but for me, I just saw the need for food uh, globally. Uh, fresh, clean water. I saw that so clearly and I, it's something I pursued. It's just been a passion of mine. It's probably more of a, a personal mission to be a part of something that that tries to help make society a better place for all. Um, and, and that's why I really pursued this, this industry and specifically, you know, small molecule crop, crop health solutions. Yeah. I'm just picturing uh, you entering this profession and someone said, Hey, down the road, you're going to work with this level of technology that has this type of reach. You know, I think mm-hmm. either one of us, if someone told us that we'd be like, that's incredible. You know, I, you know <laughs> wouldn't have predicted that. No, not at all. Right. And so I think too, to, to just take that to another level is I've spent my career on the commercial side. You know, and and so my career has been spent, you know, on farms, talking to farmers about problems they have, selling solutions to farmers. So I've been in a number of sales, marketing, you know, kind of business development roles my whole career. But what was intriguing about Inco to me was the ability when you have such a targeted based discovery platform, right, was the ability for the commercial input into the discovery And so, you know, a lot of times, right, commercial is selling the products we have today and, you know, oh, okay, we're getting something new here in a couple of years, right? And so we don't, there's not a lot of influence. It doesn't feel like into, you know, what is, what is happening from a discovery development standpoint. And at Inco, it's the exact opposite. So you're, you're right, is that this was very much a surprise to me. It's not something I saw coming to where somebody with a commercial, uh, experience could have such an impact on the solutions that we are going to develop. Um, and it, and and what I think that has done is created a really interesting culture within Inco to where everybody's connected on what the mission is and what the purpose is and what we're trying to solve for, because it starts with the end in mind. Everything we do starts with a product concept that is, you know, very explicit in the problems we are trying to solve by crop, by country, by pest, and also, you know, what we're trying to be safe on and what are the safety parameters. And so this is all defined very clearly at the beginning of our, our discovery um, platform and process. And, and so it's, 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 a, it's good to be a part of that. It's not something I ever thought was likely in my career, though. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting. I feel like there's a lot of parallels, like in the software space. Like the first wave of software was, hey, let's create things, put a bunch of features in it, and then tell people that they need those features. And then there's been this big shift to what's the pain point? How can we iterate on that really fast, put it out in the market and find out if it works, um, which is just more, it's just a more customer centric way of looking at things and all about solving pain points versus just building features and hoping the features are appealing. I mean, it feels like there's a little bit of a parallel there, but you're basically saying we became a better, we better, we're better listeners and we do something with that listening. Yes. And so what we're able to do is not just use commercial insights, but conduct market research. Like this is the product concept. You know, if, if you had this product concept to a farmer and a geography, what would that be worth to you? Mm. Is this something you would change what you're doing today and adopt? So it's not even just defining what those concepts are. It's beyond that in the ways in which we're able to conduct market research to determine that. And oftentimes that's not the case in discovery, 
right? That market research that's conducted that to help advise on pricing and, you know, maybe some adoption um, and volumes, market shares, but that happens a lot later on. We're doing that very early. And so we're able to prioritize, you know, development programs across the pipeline based on, you know, the needs that they're going to solve. Um, and so being able to have a very customer centric, customer focused, a grounded farm relevant uh, insights that are driving and feeding into the targets and the solutions of which we're trying to discover and validating those with farmers um, through through a lot of market research is, is proved to be quite compelling as we think about organizing the pipeline we have. That's cool. I, I have a feeling a few people who uh, are listening are curious about the benefits, curious about the scale of Inco. If they want to learn more, where would you point them? Would you point them to the website, somewhere on the socials? What would you say? Sure. We have a we have a LinkedIn page. We have an Instagram page, uh, but also go to our website. So www.inco.ag. Um, so it's inco.ag. Um, and if you want to get in contact, if folks want to get in contact with us there, they can certainly reach out there. You can also visit our LinkedIn page um, and, and certainly follow us on on the various social media platforms as well to see to see what we're up to. There's a lot of exciting news coming out of Inco and has come out. Uh, Justin, I think it's the tip of the iceberg. I think there's a lot more to come. And, and as we advance more of these development programs to the field, as we see them feel validated across all uh, indication. So, you know, not just doing it one time with some herbicides, not just doing it again with some novel herbicides. We think about, you know, solving really tough pest problems. So a, a novel mode of action that's safe to beneficials that, that addresses corn rootworm or a novel mode of action fungicide that addresses Asian soybean rust for farmers in Brazil or septoria for, for cereal growers in Europe. I mean, these are the biggest challenges. And so I I think you're going to hear a lot more about Inco. I hope everyone does follow us, supports us on our journey, and and knows that that we're here. We we like to partner, um, and 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 we're looking for continued partnerships across the value chain as as we evolve and continue to bring uh, more of this pipeline forward. Um, so yes, check us out there. Love to be in touch with anybody that would that would like to reach out as well. That's awesome. So what I'm hearing is this is part one episode and we'll do a part two in the future <laughs> down the road when we have some more of these to get a look at more of this iceberg that's about to emerge. So that's awesome. Gary, yes, I appreciate part- the time. Hey everyone, we've learned a lot from this podcast series and we've put the good stuff in a handful of PDF frameworks. It's topics like messaging, channel strategy, and market fit. You can grab them at nativedigital.com slash resources. 